0: I love scotch, 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 yep. Have another whiskey. If you'd like to speak to me in person, press one. If you'd like to order drugs, press hash.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: I had a gentleman in the crowd that was like, tell me how to drink Glenfiddich. And I was like, I will not do that. Yep. You drink Glenfiddich how you want to drink Glenfiddich.
0: Wear a cowboy hat in Los Angeles and look at the amount of looks you get. Yeah. Yeah. It's unbelievable. Ooh. This is the most flamboyant city on earth. You wear a cowboy hat. People we'll look at you like you were yep. like an alien. The Beatles came on and they like, picked me up on his shoulder. George Harrison is as close to me as that yep. wall now. I went, all right, George, all right. And he went, cough. <laughs> and that was the closest <laughs> I ever came to the Beatles. We have a whiskey while well, we... Yeah, let's do it. Again. Yeah, yeah. Cheers. Cheers. Long. Cheers. Cheers. Yep. So welcome back to United States of Dramerica. And I'm rather excited about having this guest on. So... She's somebody who I've never met in real life, but I feel like I know her because we've spent so much time in the whiskey fabric, as some people call it, the whiskey social media world. Welcome to the podcast. Her stage name, Spirited Tracy. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. I first came across you when you were working as a brand ambassador in the world of William Grant, but you're not doing that now. So Let's go straight into this and tell us about what you're working on now because it's it's fascinating and important and of the moment.
1: Yes, it is a blessing. Also, it is truly something I I would have dreamed you know, I I I couldn't have dreamed actually this big. So what I am currently doing is I am the head distiller apprentice for the Nearest and Jack Advancement Initiative. Um, they are creating a program basically that's Uncle Nearest and Jack Daniel's Whiskey Company have come together to create a program which it which is aimed at increasing diversity in the world of whiskey. They are using a three-pronged approach. There is a school of distillation that is getting accredited and will be open soon. There is a business incubation program. So distilleries led by people of color um, are then being basically given tips and tricks and helping them get into the market in a way that they hadn't previously, which when you have resources like Jack Daniels and Uncle Nearest, it's really beneficial. And I am in the third prong, which is the leadership acceleration program where they're taking leaders of color who are already in the industry and basically just providing that additional experience, um, whether that be uh, experiential or just education, so that you can get to that next level in your career.
0: Fantastic. Fantastic. Now, I will be amazed if anyone who listens to a podcast about whiskey doesn't already know the story because it is entirely plausible they probably didn't know the Uncle Nearest story maybe last year, because it wasn't that well known, but mostly because of the incredible efforts of Fawn Weaver, um, who was on every single piece of uh, radio, TV, print media, social media over the last year, telling the story. But just in case there's anybody out there who's like, Uncle Nearest, I've not heard of that, Give me the two-minute story, if if there's a two-minute version you can do, on this incredible and important story that needs to be told.
1: Yes. uh, I will do my best to stay to two minutes. Uh, An article was released in 2016 that talked about a secret ingredient in the whiskey of, of Jack Daniels. And that secret ingredient was a slave. Now, the picture that they had was actually of Nathan Nearest Green's son, But what they found was a picture where Jack Daniels was sitting with all of the workers from his distillery and Jack Daniels wasn't sitting centered. There was actually a black man sitting centered on that picture. So they published that picture, not quite sure who that was, and talked about this uh, possible connection to slavery. Fawn Weaver saw this article and was immediately like, I need to know who that person is. And so she started diving in and actually went to, tennis, went to Tennessee and went to Lynchburg and just started digging, pulled in historians and started to carve out more of this story. So no one really understood. They didn't know who the picture was. They didn't know exactly how these two are related, except there is an autobiography where Nearest kept being brought up in distillation. So as Vaughn dug even more, she realized that Vaughn Nathan Nearest Green was a slave on the Dan Call Farm. Jack Daniels worked at the Dan Call Farm when he was young, nine years old, was when I think he left his family and went to the Dan Call Farm to work. He was working alongside Nathan Nearest Green who was at the distillery. Now the distillery would have been at a separate part of the farm. There would be the farm, the distillery, and there was also a church and like the store. The distillery was far away from these things Nathan Nearest Green ran that by himself because Dan Call was a preacher and his um, all of, and his churchgoers didn't want him making whiskey. So he kept that very separate, which is why Nathan Green is the master distiller, because he was in charge of the distillation process. Jack Daniels is there. He wants to learn how to distill. So Dan Call actually introduced him to Nathan Nearest Green and said, Nathan, please teach him everything you know. Jack Daniels learns how to distill, works with Nathan Nearest Green. Um, After the Civil War, he actually buys the distillery off of Dan Call and hires Nathan Nearest Green as his first master distiller. This is something a a lot of people don't understand. The first master distiller of Jack Daniels was Nathan Nearest Green. Jack Daniels was working on the marketing part. Why wouldn't you leave the person who, you know, makes the best whiskey? Let him make the whiskey. And Jack Daniels was working as marketing. And so what has come to be known is that Nathan Nearscreen taught Jack Daniels how to distill his, it's his ideas about distillation, his ideas about the Lincoln County process that have been passed down through this legacy. And thanks to Jack Daniels and his ability and his not even ability, his choice to consistently write down Nathan Nearest Green's name, to talk about him in public so people knew who he was and his legacy was never forgotten. But we've been able to really flesh it out with all of the historians, and it's just a wonderful story. Fawn Weaver then started a distillery, the Uncle Nearest Distillery. She started, she created a whiskey and is now building a distillery. So the whiskey released in 2017, and we are the most most awarded American whiskey um, this year. So... It's pretty incredible.
0: And it's an extraordinary story. We should actually drink some whiskey because this is a whiskey. I'll be honest, listeners, we've sort of cheated a bit. So we normally, in the old days, we'd share a whiskey, obviously, but we can't do sharing of whiskeys. But we did, we collaborated. So I I told Tracy what whiskey I was going to drink, which is the 1820. And she has a bottle of it as well. So we're both drinking the same whiskey. um, Yeah, I love it. So, for again, for those who don't know, the whiskeys have different years on them. Yes. And these are not age statements in the way that, you know, obviously scotch is traditionally done, uh, because I think a whiskey that's 1,884 years old would be confusing <laughs> to people. But these are significant dates. So look, can you just talk about the range and what's out there and which dates are which, and also talk about a bit the one we're drinking?
1: Absolutely. So let's go ahead and start with the first one that was released, which is the 1856. So 1856, this is going to be about seven to nine years old. This is a blend. We're blending together whiskey that we are sourcing. Um, We are requesting Tennessee whiskey, which means it's gone through the uh, Lincoln County process. So we are filtering it after distillation through um, a, a, a bin that is about seven to 10 feet of filled with charcoal. So we are filtering it through that and then maturing the whiskey. It is a hundred proof for this one in particular, the 1856. And what does 1856 mean? So 1856, we know that Jack Daniels was at the distillery working with Nathan Green. We also know that by that time, Nathan Green had perfected his Lincoln County process. So one of the things that was really important to him and that was written down as for Jack Daniels as well, was that it was important to have a high percentage of charcoal. So while some people would have just like you know, had a barrel and poured a ton of whiskey through. They made sure that the ratio was a lot of charcoal that there was, you know, that it was running through and it would take up to two days to really filter through that charcoal to pull out all those conjugers and fusel oils. Um, so that is something that's continued through today. And that is something that Nathan Green was uh, integral. Like he was uh, that process, uh, which we recognize from Jack Daniels today is really something that he helped to perfect. So 1856, 100 proof, a little more spice on that, a little bit um, older of an age. 1884. So this one is more recent of a release. This one is at 93 proof, just a little bit lower. But what's interesting, so first, what is 1884? 1884 would have been the last year that Nathan Green distilled with Jack Daniels. So after 1884, the distillery moved to um, the Cave Spring Hollows, which was further away. And he was a, an older man at that time. His sons, though, did actually go with Jack Daniels to continue distilling. And there has been a green family member at that distillery since its founding. Wow. Yes. So, but we have a family member that works directly with this one. So the master blender for Nathan, for Uncle Nearest is Victoria Edie Butler. And for this one in particular, she does the blending. She hand selects all those barrels, ensures that they are blended together to her specifications. And she has a bit of a sweet too. So the 1884 tends to be a little bit more caramels, vanilla. It's just a little bit more toffee heavy. Whereas I think the 1856 is a little bit more oak spice presence in that. Yep. Now 1820. All right. So. 1820 is our single barrel. Now this is one that is very hard for people to find. They freak out a little bit when they do see it around. So I'm really glad we were able to get you some. Um, this one is from Jack Rose. So they, ha- they did a single barrel. Now what happens is we are looking for, it's hard to find barrels. So this is like one out of at least, you know, 500 barrels. Um, we are requesting very specific things. So we know that when Nathan Green was distilling or and when Jack Daniels was distilling, they never had a warehouse that was larger or more than one story. So there are a few things that we're requesting. We request that it goes into barrel at 110 for maturation and that it's aged on a bottom floor. Um, still gets nice and warm, but we want to age on that bottom floor so it's a little bit gentler. So this is a barrel that goes through that, that is then. After eleven years, because eleven is the minimum, it could be older, but we just it, at least eleven years, and it has to be over hundred and ten. So that's so even though we're going we're going in at that point, that point, it actually because it's on the bottom can tend to lose proof because it is in the cooler, more temperate climate on the bottom floor. So this is going to be you know those barrels that actually did go up in proof, and also we're releasing it cash strength. Um, What else is different about it? That's really it. Minimum eleven years at minimum one ten, and oh, and they take those barrels, they taste them, and they will not release them unless they believe it would get a double gold blind at the San Francisco Awards. So they, so you can, they literally will lay out like twenty or thirty of these barrels that qualify, but then will only choose the ones that they really believe are the best.
0: Fantastic. Oh no, and as is so important in the whiskey world, there's there's a couple of things that make a brand do well. One of them, and the most important one, of course, is the the quality of the liquid, as they like to say. You know, it has to be good whiskey. But also, if there's been a whiskey that's had a moment, it's obviously your whiskey. For actually, unfortunately, a lot of the wrong reasons, but the last year, the story really broke. And I know that I was one of many people, when everything was getting very messy in America, around all the George Floyd protests you know I was one of many people who sort of you know tonight I'm drinking an uncle nearest because it feels like the right whiskey to drink at the moment right. um, which has been an extraordinary story i guess can i ask i guess in a way a bit of a negative question so there's obviously been a huge positive in terms of the whiskey. Has there been a negative on the other side in terms of sort of Jack Daniels drinkers being upset that they've found out about this heritage, not all Jack Daniels drinkers, but the the ones who would be so unhappy about that. Has there been any issues around that? So I
1: don't really know if it was upset in regards to the fact that this is just like a a new story. I think that more what it is, is um, one of the things that people were upset about was the actual shift in the master distillers that changed the numbers of the distillers. So before, so distillers would sign their name and then their number, right? Because there were only six distillers. So when we had the history and figured out that Uncle Nearest was actually the first, they changed that. So they moved everybody down and Jack Daniels is now the number two distiller. So everybody that's come. So there were a lot of people that had tattoos or had things that had numbers that are no longer valid. Oh. That was a bad thing. Um, but I think what's actually happened is the way that Jack Daniels or Brown Foreman has embraced this story and the way that it's being told when you hear the full story, it's about respect. It's about common acceptance. It's about talent and it's about sharing. So this is a story I think when people under, when they know the story, the the first concern was they thought people were saying, oh, Jack Daniels stole this and stole it from a slave and didn't give credit and like all of this talk started around this conversation that wasn't true because Nearest Green and his family became some of the most w- wealthy in the area because they were paid rel- relatively well well for that area because he was a master distiller. So this this saying this this story of he stole this, these people are making money off of a black person's back wasn't actually how it was how it was done. So acknowledging the truth, I think both sides have it gives hope to both sides
0: yeah yeah absolutely now obviously this this new program that you're part of was set up last year yes when you first heard about it or maybe even when you first heard rumblings that this would be a thing what point did you know it was happening and then how did you feel about that and then how quickly did you apply
1: Oh, this was incredibly quick. So Fawn Weaver, if you don't know her, is a force of nature and moves things ahead at a pace, the whip neck, like it is incredibly fast that she gets things done. And she decided she wanted to change the way that we build our our employees, our employees, our, our knowledge, our, our access to the industry. And she knew that by providing direct Knowledge through the school of education and experience through the leadership program, she was going to be able to create actual, you know, pipelines to create diversity, to create people who are prepared to step into the industry, because so often our industry, especially in the United States, is, is familial. It's, it's you, you hire your cousin, you hire your uncle. That's how you get promoted. You hire your best friend. It's not. As much about, you know, people really studying to come into the industry for specific positions. So we're hoping to change that and give people that experience and knowledge. Yeah, And I found out about it on a on a uh, panel that we did that was to benefit Dunor distilleries, which was burned during the um, after George Floyd was murdered. And she mentioned the fact she was opening a school of distillation. I don't even know if she mentioned the, the leadership program because I was like, whoop, ding, ding, ding. Wait, there are, cause there are no approved schools of distillation in the United States. Hmm. There's no credited program that exists. And I was, so I've been looking for it because I've been studying myself. I've been studying with other distillers, just like bouncing questions, getting books, that sort of thing and hopping into distilleries, but to get an actual accredited program, I was like, this is great. So I reached out to her after the panel and said, Hey, what's going on? And she, and I had a conversation about what I would like to do. And it turned out it was fitting this, this program she was creating. She was in the midst of creating it. So I said, I think this sounds perfect. It's something I would really love to do. I really want to get back to distillation. And so she got my resume. Every, they went through all my social media, you know, like had a, a bunch of conversations about what this means and what could become at the end of it. And I became the first person. It was really, really fast. It was incredibly surprising, and it was a leap of faith. But I am so grateful that I took it, and I am grateful to both Nathan, you know, Uncle Uncle Nearest, and Jack Daniels. And I'm grateful for Nathan's legacy that I'm able to learn and hopefully become a distiller, a woman of color, and and continue that line. It's it would be amazing.
0: Fantastic. So look, I've. I've done a podcast with, um, half of your friends have been on this podcast, but, uh-huh. <laughs> um, but um, J- Jennifer Wren, who is a, I know, a good friend of yours, and she, she's she been on twice. And one of the podcasts we did, she talked about what it's like being a woman in the whiskey industry. And she told us, you know, the stories of people thinking she doesn't understand the whiskey and all this sort of stuff. For you, as a woman and a woman of color in an industry, can you tell us a bit about what that? experience was like before
1: uh I mean it's it's again it's what I'm used to I have been a I am most of my life I've been the one of the only in a group um so it's not I guess I've always been the outlier as a woman of color whose parents really had high expectations and really pushed us to succeed I've, I've been had the opportunity to get into rooms that not everyone was able So honestly, for me, it was, again, just an opportunity to excel, to push boundaries. And I think what I'm good at is educating and opening people's minds to other possibilities. And my goal was to change the face of whiskey. Our goal was to make the world a different place, to make it inclusive, to make it accepting. And stepping into a room with the energy of... I am going to make this tasting as educational as possible, as inclusive as possible, as fun and and entertaining as possible. Those people who were doubters, they would throw their things at me. I'd have to prove that I actually know about whiskey. But by the end, I would then win people over. And the hope is that by challenging their expectations and um, preconceived notions in the whiskey tasting. Maybe I can help them to move closer to challenging their own, you know, um, biases that they have towards people of different races, different colors, different ethnicities, different sexes, whatever it may be. I hope that that begins to happen.
0: So in the way that, you know, fawn is somebody who you look up to and see as a role model, is your hope that, you know, the next generation will grow up and think, you know, yeah, I want to work in whiskey like, like spirited Tracy did.
1: I guess, <laughs> um, I, it's funny. So about 10 Yeah. So almost 10 years ago when I was saying, you know, I, we need to change the face of whiskey. We need more people of color. We need more diversity. We need queer. We need all the people to drink whiskey. When I was saying that, I didn't expect that it would actually be my face doing it. I didn't expect that I thought someone, I thought it would go faster. I really thought that we, that it was just going to open the floodgates and all of a sudden there were going to be all different types of people drinking whiskey. It's been a lot slower than I expected this change of the industry. And it's allowed me to get to a place where I'm now comfortable in my strengths, in my passions and willing to be a, an ambassador for the category and, and, if I that also makes me an inspiration and a role model, I accept it humbly and hope to be the brightest star that they in, in in the sky so that we're all up there together, so that we are all shining and really changing the category with our new perspectives and palettes and thoughts and ideas. That's all I hope for. I don't care if it's me, but it seems like it, I might be part of it.
0: Fantastic. Well, fantastic answer. Thank you for that. So actually one thing, so obviously part of this program is around changing the people making the whiskey, distilling the whiskey, the master distillers. You're on that side of it. But I'd be interested to know, and like all the companies nowadays, everyone understands their market in a very clever way. Mm-hmm. Has Uncle Nearest, as well as showing that, you know, on the making it side, things are changing. In terms of your demographics for drinking whiskey, are women and people of color drinking more of your whiskey as a percentage than other brands? And is that market share increasing?
1: I don't believe. I honestly, I personally don't know. Here's the thing everyone thinks I work for Uncle Nearest. But I actually don't. No. I work for the Nearest and Jack Advancement Initiative. So that is the charity that is a separate arm um, that is completely separate from both brands. However, I get to work with two amazing brands, so I'm going to talk about them and it's, but I so I don't necessarily know pricing. I don't know where to find things. I don't know their actual demographics. I don't see numbers or things like that. Yeah. I I know the layout for the distillery <laughs> like that's my head is only in distillation. It is in technical process. That's where my head is. Um, but what I have seen is that by that their their demographic of drinker is more diverse than I think most whiskeys have achieved because they allow the story to lead. They allow the story of, of respect within these two racial groups, age groups, cast, whatever it may be like that relationship is one of union and acceptance. And I think that allows people to see the whiskey and, and makes them feel as if it belongs to them. Doesn't matter who you are. This is a whiskey for the people. This is for people who want a better world. This is a whiskey that that was going to unite and connect us. And I think that's helped.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's funny, actually, because um, I I follow Fawn on social media. But weirdly, I know her husband. um, Oh, yes. uh, Because he used to work for... Sony Pictures, and when I was in government, we used to re- interact okay. quite a lot. So I often see him on, you know, Sunday mornings drinking coffee. Yeah, Sunday with the Weavers. The... Yeah, exactly, it's quite it's quite funny. So you know, it's um it's fun watching people you know drink a very good whiskey on a on a Sunday morning. So look, let's talk about how you got into this in the first place. Um, so at the beginning of this, am I right in thinking you had a bit of a I'm not sure showbiz is the quite word, but you 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 came at this from the sort of performance angle as your first career before you got into working for Whiskey Company. It,
1: it was totally show business. Why wouldn't you use show business? What do you
0: that's, mean? That's a, it's a bit of a silly LA word, show business. It feels... But right, go on then. So tell me your story.
1: No, but mine was technically show business. It was literally Broadway shows. It was... Yes. So, like, versus Hollywood. You guys talk about show business. That, that's not a show business. Show business is, is theater productions moving around the country. It's Broadway. It's opera. Like, that's where I come from. It's why I am so spirited. Um, and... I am grateful. I'm grateful because it taught me, it taught me diligence. It taught me um, how to be vulnerable, passion, but it also brought me to whiskey because my voice is affected by alcohol. (laughs) So I couldn't drink a lot. So I had to figure out what things I could have that I could just like sip on and I could still sing in the morning and whiskey became that. That's really how I, oh, I felt right. so in love with whiskey because really? I was like, wait, I can just have like a dram of this. I feel relaxed. Nobody bothers me because I'm drinking whiskey. So they're not trying to make me take more shots of whiskey.
0: Yeah.
1: And I and look at all this diversity of flavor. Amazing. So that's why I'm grateful.
0: <laughs> did you discover this the hard way by drinking, you know, whatever else you were drinking and then waking up in the morning and not being able to perform?
1: Oh, no, I always drink responsibly when I was performing because I have such a, I just, for me, like singing is literally putting your heart out on the floor for everyone to stomp on. So I was very careful about my performances and I always wanted to give everybody the best performance that I could. But I also knew that if I, yeah, if I had too much, I might alter that run from going up to going down. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, but that was very rare and it wasn't really the whiskey, the whiskey came because somebody opened a bottle of Ardbeg near me, near me and it was such an incredibly overwhelming aroma mm. that I asked them to bring it over and he, and tried it. And for me, I grew up in a household where we sought out flavor. We, we were looking for those moments of epiphany because of food. And this was that for me. It was a complete visceral reaction to that bag. And I was like, oh, I want to drink this. <laughs> like, I'm going to drink this. So that's actually where I dove in headfirst into peated whiskey first. And then realized I wasn't able to actually taste the balance and nuance of some of the lighter whiskeys. So I stopped drinking those for a while, did my journey, learned about the world, the wide, wide world of whiskey. And now I love it all and have you know, reasons to appreciate whatever you put in front of me.
0: Fantastic. So tell us a bit about what you were performing on on Broadway, given you were actually in show business.
1: I was. So I toured nationally and internationally with Broadway shows. So Hairspray, Colour Purple. I did a Disney production. So you've seen Disney on Ice probably or know of it. Well, they actually also have Disney live, which is basically theater productions for kids. So their first one they ever did was Winnie the Pooh and I was the storyteller. So I spoke and sang live every day for this show for thousands of people all across the world. And, you know, when accidents would happen, like Pooh would get stuck in the trees or things, I would come out and talk about how we're going to get them down and get all the kids to, you know, sidetrack. Let's, let's tell a new story. Well, all of a sudden everyone's trying to get this, this big bear out of there. Um, So that was an incredible experience being able to travel the world while singing. And then with the, then I just toured nationally with a lot of the Broadway stuff and then community theater, I mean, equity theater sort of stuff. So working up in Sonora and LA Um, what else have I done? That's really it. Just theater stuff. Yeah.
0: Do you, do you miss any of that?
1: Oh, so desperately sometimes. I've kept my equity card so I'm still union in in the hopes that I'm one day able to combine these two loves have an idea and I'm hoping to to do it but I've also been really busy with my new diploma program through IBD so uh I've got a lot on the plate and performing seems to keep getting pushed aside
0: yes indeed so because I know a lot of my friends who work in in entertainment or show business had done theater then transitioned across to tv and film was that part of the plan at any stage
1: not for me it wasn't but i have had a lot of really good feedback regarding regarding my film like tv youtube clips whatever it may be that i actually am have have a face made for for tv um so it's something that's been discussed for certain things, maybe putting out short little clips of educational videos for whiskey, or even there's I, there's an idea I have for visiting distilleries too. So maybe, but that was never the plan. I really love live theater. I love the the fact that it will never happen again. The fact that you have to be present, you have to be on your toes. So that was just what I loved. And maybe if it had been an opportunity, I would have shifted, but
0: Whiskey stole me away. Very good. So, what's the ambition now? So, you're on this pro. How does the program work? What's the sort of length of time of this program?
1: Right. So, we don't actually know because nobody's done it before. <laughs> And unfortunately, COVID has really extended this a lot longer than we expected because I'm not able to get out to the distilleries as I would. The goal was to be just hopping to different distilleries to really learn what it's like to work in a craft distillery versus a medium scale versus large scale distillery to really understand what those, um, what it takes regarding safety, raw materials, the actual process, maturation, like understanding the ins and outs completely of these dis- different distilleries requires visiting them. So with COVID, it's just unsafe and I always want to practice safe behavior. I want to, because I know some people are watching and I am sometimes inspiring people to do things. So I try to model good behavior Mm. and being safe has been something that's been important. My mother is also um, high risk. And so I want to make sure that I am not being, I I just couldn't imagine if I somehow got someone sick anyhow. uh, So we don't know. Ugh. But in the meantime, I am just doing everything I can to study all the certifications I can, all of the journals. I'm just like head over heels in everything I can find about distilleries and whiskey. And it's not even just whiskey. Cause like I I'm recently just studying code, uh, for, which is sake because I really want to understand that process and how that differs and, I'm, I don't know. Brandy's awesome. It's really studying the Alembic still and why it's so different and how it creates flavor. And I don't know. I just really love spirits and flavor. And I feel like in whiskey, I get to express that the most. So I'm excited. What's, what's for me? I'm going to hopefully become a distiller. I, was gonna say, I think I'm, that's what I was supposed
0: to say. <laughs> oh, so obviously being a distiller would be I'm sorry, guys. Being, <laughs> being a distiller would be amazing. But would there be a part of you that wants to also sort of not be a brand ambassador in the way that you were before, but be an ambassador for the brand? In a, you know, Have you places? seen
1: Master Distillers lately? That's what they do. They, right? So if you think about what the Master Distiller is now, they all are out on the road. Chris Morris is out on, you know, like if you think about what's happening, everybody has their time at the distillery, but they're also out on the road because people want to have a touchstone to the distillery. Mm-hmm. So I have no doubt that I that will always be a part of what I do because I'm good at it and I enjoy it. So mm-hmm. if nothing else, even if it's just a few days of every month, but I have actually the big the hardest thing for me is I'm trying to fight stay to stay in the distillery because I do enjoy this. I enjoy teaching classes. I enjoy being at dinners and hosting people. And it's very easy for me to do that, especially coming from the ambassador side of the world. But for me, it's about the flavor. It's about quality control. It's about the distillery. So I know wherever I go, that part of my contract will have to say I have to be at the distillery at least 50% of the time. At least.
0: Yeah.
1: But I know, I, I already know what's like, I'm seeing the path of master distiller and other distilleries and going, hmm,
0: uh-oh. I can see you struggling with the balance. Yeah. Staying, (laughs) putting on a lab coat and staying inside. uh, Right. And hitting the road. Uh, But but I
1: just love being in the distillery and being sweaty and gross and hot and quiet. It's
0: awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. Look, this has been fantastic. But time for our final question, which is, if you could drink any whiskey with anyone, dead or alive, who would it be? What would it be? And where would it be?
1: Just one person.
0: Just one person. Hmm. Don't cheat.
1: No, yeah, I just was, yeah. So the problem is, here's why I say that. So it would be Glenfiddich 50. Okay. It would be with my dad, okay. who is passed. And the reason I would want it to be that is because I was gifted the Glenfiddich 50 at my wedding, and so I would love for it to be a thing that it's that my husband, like that we get to see him again, but. So that whiskey doesn't belong to me. That belongs to my husband and I. So I can't have that 50 in real life. I guess I couldn't actually have it in real life because my dad has passed. Oh, look, you just made me sad. But I would want to drink. I don't care, honestly, what I would drink. I would want to see my dad again. I miss him so desperately. And he is the reason I am able to stand strong in this industry and in this world as who I am. So I would just want to thank him one more time.
0: Yeah. Amazing. Amazing. Sorry, guys. <laughs> spirited Tracy, you were as spirited as you always <laughs> are. Thank you very much for being part of the podcast.
1: Thank you so much for having me. This was really fun.
0: And good luck with your journey. We're, I'm looking forward to watching it from a distance and hoping Thanks. to see you both in the room and out of the room as yes. you go on this amazing journey. Thank Cheers you. Cheers
1: to much. that.
0: Mm, I love scotch. 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 And don't forget to not just follow us on Twitter and Instagram at US of Dramerica, but also ask us questions and comment and say nice things. And please don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. And if the mood takes you, you can leave us a review as uh, feedback is always welcome. And drink whiskey. Sláinte vá.